and welcome back to another edition. <laughs> I see that smile already. You bobbing the head. <laughs> so welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host Stevie D. And Stevie D, I've been waiting uh, 72 hours to get to this point. Actually, it's almost a full 72 hours. I normally give a moratorium of 48 hours um, before any comments, conversations, dialogue with anybody. Well, except for you, uh, before I have any type of dialogue. And, and, and there's there's a reason for that, right? I, you have to compose yourself. You have to kind of let everything sink in. And then when that calm comes over you, then from a clear mind, you can then make a very non-emotional statement or statements about maybe what transpired that previous Sunday and whether good or bad, right? And, and go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. That, that's very mature of you. <laughs> well, you, you, you try to be, right? And, and, and your goal is, you know, you don't want to be biased, completely biased, uh, about, uh, hey, there he is, Dana Brown. Hey, speaking of Dana, before I get into that, look at look at this bad boy right here. Look at that bad boy, courtesy of Dana Brown. Appreciate you, Dana Brown. And already sipping. Already sipping. Won't tell you. See, here's the perfect thing about this. You never know what's inside. This is orange. This is orange juice. <laughs> Iced tea, something like that. But with a clear head um, and, and being non-emotional in your statements, right, then you can really look at both sides, right? If things went your way or didn't go your way, you you can look at both sides and you could say, well, it was because of this. Wow, you have matured. Absolutely. <laughs> that must be the age thing, man. You get to a certain point, you just mature. Well, be careful there. Be careful. <laughs> Because the four <laughs> the the forty eight hour rule passed, we're at seventy two hours, Stevie D. Right, we're at seventy two hours, and I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. Why am I not there? Oh, let me count the ways. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, four is yours. No, no. I, I, it's, at some points, I need you to help me out. Let, let me just start by saying, watch this. Did you not see the interference? Look at the time on the clock. Look at the score. Right? Did you not see it? Right? Let, yeah. Let's just look at this in slow motion. Oh, we're grabbing. We're pushing. Yeah, yeah. The ball is in the air. The referee is, or, or the end judge is standing right there looking at. Yeah, unbelievable, uh, un unbelievable. Time in the game, right? Yeah. When I seconds left on the clock, three point game. When I need you to be your best, right? We're asking our players to be their best, right? We're we're asking for the best for sixty minutes, but you know when it comes within that two minute marker. What they say that you know, there's no challenges within two minutes, right? Because you're expecting the officials to be their best. I'm asking you to be your best, right? I can show that clip over and over and over again. 
And what did that do? Ultimately, that caused uh, the Bills to kick a field goal to tie it up, right? That's good. Oh, and then, you know, here here is Amber on. And uh, Amber wants us to tell uh, – t- wants me to say how the Bills got screwed. Well, <laughs> keep Is watching. Amber a Bill fan? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely oh, she's not. not a Bill fan. I don't even think she's a Buck fan, right? She's bandwagon. That, that, that's all it is. Come on. Why do you got to talk like that about Amber? Yeah, go root for the home team. You know, that that's all that is. So, yeah, so – at the end of the day, you have to kick the field goal, right? Okay. You, you tie it up. What do they say, Mo? Mo is on the side of the Bills. That's for sure, right? You get the 50-50 coin toss, right? And momentum helps you win that toss. Now, in all fairness, DVD, in all fairness, two things that I saw in that game. The first thing was the inability of the Bills to do anything for 45 of the 60 minutes, right? Whose fault was that? You got to give credit to the other side, right? You got to give credit to the Bills, or I'm sorry, to the Bucks. You got to give credit to uh, Arians. You got to give credit to Bulls, right? You uh, yeah, got Bulls more than Arians. Well, sure, but <laughs> could it be the allegiance? But, you know. <laughs> if you got that right, the allegiance. <laughs> you, you, you have to give credit there. On the other side, you have to look at Sean McDermott square in the eye and say, what the hell are you doing, right? This has been week after week after week. Now, I've said to you that, you know, when the game plan is designed, it's usually designed on the Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday of the week, and then you execute on the Wednesday in practice, right? You continue on your Thursdays, you get your walkthroughs on your Fridays, and you travel. So how you can be ill ill-prepared week after week after week. You're sitting in the meetings. Don't blame Brian Dable. You're sitting in the meetings. They're telling you what what they were proposing for the game plan. You're talking about players that are going to be healthy scratches, who are going to be inactive, right? Last week, when we had the 30-mile-per-hour wins, right, and you knew that you really weren't going to pass, except for you decided to throw 35 times, but you know that you're not going to pass, you decide that the guys that could benefit you the most because Devin Singletary is garbage, Zach Moss is playing like garbage, right? But the guys that could help you the most would be Isaiah McKenzie. Oh, let's scratch him. Marquez Stevenson, let's scratch him, right? So what do you, you're, you're going to dress Jake Kumaro in a game where you're not going to throw the ball? Really, does that make a lot of sense to you? That falls on Sean McDermott. And when we look at this Bucks game, the first three quarters falls on Sean McDermott, right? Not making the proper, uh, not making the proper adjustments the way you need to, and then waiting until the very last minute, the fourth quarter, to really turn it up, right? Now, on top of that, I do have to blame Todd Bowles, right? Because if you watch the game in the fourth quarter, is when. All of a sudden, Tampa decided they were going to roll to a cover one. So they had a single high safety, daring Allen to throw the ball, but they were going to bring a blitz. Well, you expose yourself when you do that, right? And you want to know how the Bills came back is because all of a sudden there were open pockets in the secondary and they were able to matriculate all the way down the field. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I don't want to digress too much from from 
you know, talking Bill's Bucks. I don't understand why defensive coordinators change what worked for them all game. Why? Because you're afraid to give up one large play? Well, if you give up one large play and you have a large lead, okay, you got me on that one play. But if I held you for two or three quarters, I'm feeling pretty good that I can go another 15 minutes and, and hold you. So why would I change what made it so successful? Just because you want to burn more time off the clock? I I, I don't subscribe to that. I, I think it's silly. Uh, why, why change what works? And, Absolutely. And, and, and like you said, they, they changed their coverage and – and gave the Bills the opportunity to get back in the game. You know, what for me, uh, it was a little bit when they when they won the corn toss. They weren't the same team that came back and scored all those points. It's like, wait a minute, you went back to the team you were in the first quarter. Like, what are you doing? Dude, I can't I can't explain it. And I'm like, I'm I'm so pissed. I'm watching the game. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? The whole fourth quarter, you dominated, and you go back to this play call, and that's absolutely ridiculous. Well, you, you you know what happens. You you know what happens, right? After the fourth quarter, you got to flip the card back over, and all right, well, we'll start at quarter number one again. What did we do in quarter number one? Let's throw the ball two yards, but you know, let's throw it inaccurately for two yards, so you actually catch a forty yard and get tackled. Right? I, I watched these passes to Cole Beasley, that was on the sideline. He was throwing across the field for a one-yard gain, hoping that Beasley's going to break a tackle so he can get nine, ten yards or more, and the guy is getting stuffed. I, I, I don't understand the play calling that you had in overtime. And it, once once the ball went over to the other side, I, I this But hold on. B- before the ball goes to the other side, let's understand what happened. Again, DVD. Uh, and, you know, for some of our older viewers, older listeners, there was this guy, Warner Wolf. He, he was out of New York. You, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Let's go to the videotape. Let's go to the videotape. Let, let, let's just go to the videotape. Oh, there's a flag. Oh, wait. Are, are we calling? What are we calling here? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Brady back to pass. Evans turns the DB, and oh, are they call him for not turning around. Is that what they're calling it? The well, that, that's the, that's going to be the best they're going to have to do with it because there's no contact there until Evans reaches around, and as Evans reaches around and grabs him, then all of a sudden we have the penalty for pass interference on the Bills. For passing, hold on, Stevie D. There's, there's, there's more. There's this, this. Hey, let me let me set this one up for you, Stevie D. Just so okay. you understand, okay? Okay. We're 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 third and third and one, right? Maybe third and two inside the twenty, inside their own twenty. Right. This is not a four down territory. No matter if you're in overtime or not, right? Because if you miss it. Both teams have possessed the ball. You kick the field goal game over. So you know you know that if you get stopped, you're punting. Let's just understand that. Let's go back to this. The line to gain. Now, we know that that's not official when they use that, but guess what? That lines up exactly, exactly with the yard line. Dude, dude, it, it, can, you, can you back that up? Can you back what? Can you back this up? Well, we, you, you, we, we don't have a telestrator over here. 
Operation Revenge over here at OWC. Right? That's, that's the best you can get. <laughs> We, we, we gotta make some investments here. What's Madden with the telephone? Right? Go back and forth, back and forth. Can what? you back this up? <laughs> you, you want me to go in slow mo on that one? Yeah, you know. Well, the reason why I said it is because if you look at the line judge come running in, oh, I don't see you going. And the line judge has to do one of these and to go around, and it messed up the line again. <laughs> Like they got a better spot because oh I, I mm. so I I, okay, I, hold on, hold on. I I mean I'm not done with that point I'm not done with that point because this one angers me because the week before the Jets had this with the Eagles mm-hmm. they this play did they give them the first down on this play or they, they stopped them and then reversed it they gave him the first down after a discussion they gave him the first down. Since it was in overtime, they reviewed it, and then the call stands. Okay. If you look at when that line judge comes in, they were short to the line of game. Yeah. They were short to the line of game. Yeah. I don't know what they saw to change that to a to a, to a first down. I don't understand. Now, again. Again, that line judge got rerouted. I'm telling you, it, when you watch that, I am all the Bills fans. If you're able to see it, somehow you go and watch that. You watch it, that line judge come running down the line. That person got rerouted, and if you look at where the foot, because it's when they run in with the feet, right? They right. Get all set up. That's when right. You watch, when you watch, I, I, I think it was a female that was running. When you, when you see her. Oh, 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 oh! Are you saying because a female was the line? No, no, not at all, not at all. I, I'm just giving a credit to it. <laughs> She got rerouted. She got rerouted by that player, and it didn't get spotted at the, at the right spot. Uh, it, it, well, that's 100% true. Now, two things with that, and I've always said that, not not Bill's Bucks related. We, we have enough technology in this world. Put an RFID chip in there, right? It, we'll know that it passed the line or not, right? You know if it gets into the end zone or not. But – Neither here nor there. I, when when I was leaving the stadium, I called you, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And I told you, you know, I don't want to blame officiating. That's what I said, right? And I, I was more in on the team not being prepared. I was more in on Sean McDermott failing as a head coach for this organization. Um, and just, just kind of being annoyed and sour that way. And you, my friend, <laughs> brought up officiating, and I still said no, right? I was staying off of that. And then it kind of hit me, right? Because it was stolen, right? The reason why I say it was stolen, you had the digs play in the end zone. There's still 20 seconds to go in the game. Nothing's guaranteed. I get that. Could have fumbled a snap, bad exchange, but you're at the one. The likelihood of you pushing it in at the one, and the Bucks have a great D-line. I'm taking nothing away from them. But you have the momentum. They're tired. You you would have gotten in from the one. Let me tell you something. You spread everybody out right, and you let Josh Allen be creative with the ball. Steve, nobody runs your play for Madden. 
All right, you, you keep saying it, and nobody runs your play for men. I'm sorry. It if, if, you know, if we work on our sponsorships and we grow the audience that we have here, maybe some of the GMs will start listening and take your heed and heed your advice. Hey, I mean, that that may happen. You try and stop Josh Allen at his size, and you spread everybody wide, and he's reading the defense to pick out what spot he's going to go to. I don't know how you stop it. I, I don't know how you stop him. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. But, yeah, so, no, I I did not want to go in on the refs. I, I really didn't. Um, but oh, I'm all in on getting on the refs because it's been a horrible season. It's been getting worse year after year. It has. And, and you know, what we talked about uh, really started to resonate because bad officiating, and we talked about this with Sean last week, right? Bad officiating can manifest itself into how the players react, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're a little hesitant to do certain things because you're afraid of getting a penalty. It can take away that momentum, right? All of a sudden, a, a second and two turns into, you know, a, a second and 22, right? It, it changes the whole complex of the game, play calling, it, you know, play design, what happens with the players? Players get tired. Rotations, right? Think about this. You actually play a play, right, that they erase and wipe off of the books. Now you have to come out. Well, now it changes the formation. There's so much that goes into it. And, and all you're asking is do the right thing, right? Make the right calls. And it's not always against Buffalo. It's not a, a, a woe is me. I'm a pissed off Bills fan. That's, that's for damn sure. But it's not a woe is me because – you know, you can go game after game after game this year, to your point. It's been bad. We can look back as atrocious as it was in that playoff game with the Vikings and the Saints, right? We can look at that. I mean, that that one just blows my mind. We can go back to when they, they're still trying to figure out what a catch is. And Des catches a touchdown pass, and all of a sudden it's not a touchdown pass, right? So it, it yeah, happens yeah, a lot. Tron had one like that similar? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's uh, – it, you mentioned the technology, you know, college football does it a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, when you look at baseball, for example, they said the fans don't want to watch the intentional walk. The fan doesn't want to see boring baseball. They want to speed it up in between pitches, right? So now they put a pitch clock in, they do the automatic thing. And here at the officials, the fans don't want to see 15 and 16 penalties a game. They don't want to see that. Uh -huh. I don't want to see that. I'd rather you let the players play and give them a little bit of leeway here because you know what? If you want to call pass interference, you could probably call it on every play because there's always jockeying with the hands, right? Yeah. If there's something where you're really grabbing, okay, you can throw the flag. But at the end of the day, it's, it's either A, you're calling nothing, and then you make the one call, and everybody says, well, wait a minute, you weren't calling all game, right? Or you call everything. And then the one play in the championship game with the Saints, you don't call that, right? You had two penalties on that one play. Right? That's you right. Go ahead and the pass interference, and they missed both of them. That's and right. That's broken itself. And that's where I think college, I think they go up top and they look at something. You, and, usually and that's, that's, where the, that's where the targeting. Right. When, when, you, when, you, when, when you think of the NFL and how much money they make, think about it. How many games are, are on a week? 15, 16 games a week when there's no buy? Mm -hmm. You're telling me. At 16 games, 
You pay the guy, lady, whatever, $100,000 a year. Your job is to watch every play. And as soon as that play's over, you have X amount of time to say, hmm, do I need to analyze that play? Do I need to see if that's a fumble, if that's a catch, if that's a, a hit to the head that needs to be called or not be called? Is that pass interference? You tell me somebody can't be hired to do that? Right? 16 games a year, you know, 16 weeks, $100,000, $1.6 million, and then you add on the playoffs. We'll give you a bonus for the playoffs. Seriously. We, the NFL can't do that? Because you're going to speed up the game. Let, let, me tell you, let me tell you where the problem is, right? The problem is when What's you want – well, that's the other half of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but when when you watch a game, what do, what do you hear in the beginning? Here, Here's your broadcast team, right? Yeah, the third case to the game. And, and Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, and who? Michelle Tafoya. Well, okay. Let, let's well, let's you went, you went that way with it, so I was thinking. Okay. Let, 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 let's go. Let's go to the other one, right? You're you're going to have uh, Chris Spielman and whoever and who. There's always the official that's part of the broadcast crew. Terry oh, McCauley. Yeah, like Skeletor or whatever. Ed Ex- exactly. Okay. Who, who's sitting up in that box doing the game? It's the retired referees, the guys that have some skin in the game, the guys that have actually been through the battles with the players and know how to call a game. Those are the guys that are out, that are up in up in the in the broadcast booth. Now what do we have on the field? We have Ed Hockley Jr., Right, we got all these juniors that are out there. We get, we got all these, you know, Johnny Come Latelys. These guys that don't know the game that are afraid to make a call. Right, that's why now when you watch certain plays, like it's obvious, obvious when a quarterback gets hit but is in the throwing motion, tuck rule, but is obvious when he throws the ball, right, and it's not a fumble. But what do they do now? They just let the play play on, right? Yeah. Here's the problem I have with that. You let that play play on, right? You don't call it even though you know it's an incomplete pass. You have now just amplified exponentially the risk of one of these players getting hurt on something that did not need to happen because now all of a sudden it's a fumble. Let me pick it up going full speed. You okay, got crap. going a different way. You were going a different way. I didn't think but, you were going that direction. You got crackback blocks. You got just regular blocks. You got regular just running. We see guys just running all of a sudden, you know, tearing ACL, you know, pull a hamstring, anything like that. Well, something that shouldn't happen. Go ahead. I got a different problem with it. I have no problem with what you're saying. I have a problem with you let a play go out for whatever reason. Now I have to burn a challenge because you let a play go that. Now I have to get a challenge to get the ball back or challenge it because, it, you know, obviously if it's a turnover, but then I got to right. run the risk that it's inconclusive, right? When, because right. some bad camera angle and they miss it. And all because they, they're afraid to make that call and they let it play out. And you're just like, what? But They are afraid. I really didn't think about the injury side of it, but you're right. Because when I watched it over the weekend, there was definitely some scenarios where players could get hurt because some of them are going half speed and some of them are going full speed. Well, there's another one. Again, going back to the Bills game, I'm not talking about the game itself, right? This is officiating that I'm talking about. 
Josh Allen, there was a false start by Spencer Brown. You saw, I, I don't know if it was Pierre Paul or, or Shaq Barrett, came flying across the line of scrimmage, right? Now, you knew that it was a false start on Buffalo. False starts, if the defensive end it has a good jump on the play, they blow the whistle dead. Unabated to the quarterback, blow it dead. Yeah, they didn't blow that whistle dead, and Josh got drilled. Yeah, Got yes. drilled. Right? About five minutes later in the game, possession is a little different. Tommy's back there, and I don't know who it was on the line for the Bucks. False start. Before Jerry Hughes could even get the motor running, right? And Jerry's quick off the ball. Jer Jerry's gone, right? Before he could even get going, that whistle was being blown. Jerry's still coming. Blow, blow, blow the whistle, right? Consistency. Follow the rules, right? Yes, you're protecting TB12, but you should protect all quarterbacks. If you're, if that's the rule, don't let that play out. And don't tell me you couldn't hear, even though Bill's Mafia was in full effect. I get that. I get that. But you can hear, and you can call it the right way. I, I'm, I'm really frustrated with the officiating. I really am, CBD. I, I, I'm. I've been past that point with officiating. No, it's just—it's not for the Jets. It's just in general. I hate to see that whenever I'm watching Sunday night football, Thursday night, Monday, right? I've seen some stuff with the Jets, but at the end of the day, it's bad, bad officiating. It costs people jobs. Uh, it costs head coach jobs. It costs coaches jobs. It costs players not to be re-signed or cut because of penalties or 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 whatnot. Impending free agents probably could have got more money, but now they got more defensive pass interference called against right, them, which right. may, may be bogus. But, you know, since we're talking about officials and we're talking about the game, think about this statistic I threw out to you, you know, uh, yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. The Buffalo Bills had 54 dropbacks yes, uh, on, on Sunday night. 54 dropbacks. Okay. I don't know how many turned into runs. Let's say six of them turned into runs. So technically he threw the ball 48 times. Not one defensive holding and what not one uh, defensive pass interference called on any one of those dropbacks, whether accepted or declined. Uh, and, right? and you're and you're talking about one of the worst secondaries right. in the league. Right. You don't even have your 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 top main players out there playing, right? You're you're playing with second stringers. No disrespect to those guys, but you know, you you're going to I mean Diggs should, probably should have had three or four calls on him alone in that game. Mm -hmm. And here's an, uh, somebody who's objective because I'm not not rooting for one team or another, just seeing as a call. You know, somebody can say, "Oh, you're a Buffalo fan." Of course, you're going to feel that way. I, I got no skin in it, right? And I, it was just it was mind boggling. And Stefan Diggs is a big name, right? So last year he's probably arguably the best receiver in the game. Last year, probably could have said he was for, the for one sure, last year, right? For sure, so he, he didn't get one of those calls. Mike Evans, who's got a name, but Mike Evans is not the same Mike Evans because Brady doesn't really throw to him. And I give credit to Evans because he keeps his mouth shut and just rolls with the punches. Or a really good teammate. But he doesn't have the same clout right now as Stephon Diggs. But what's the mm. one common factor? TB12. It's TB12. It's the same thing up in New England. I think the officials are afraid to throw the flag because they don't want to get a, to get yelled at by Bill Belichick. He's like a god. Like, he knows everything about football. You can't. Like, like Belichick would call a flag on his own team. Well, shit, Belichick. Belichick is not throwing a flag, so, you know. So, Stevie D, 
I, I've been saying, I've been railing on this now for, and I probably shouldn't say it now because the the optics of what I'm going to say never looks good, right? We lost, you won, you know, whatever. We've always lost to a particular player. That's that's not it. So I, I was reading an article. Let me start. Let me let me backtrack. I was reading an article for Letter Network, and they decided that whether they were taking shots at Barry Bonds or taking shots at Roger Clemens, some of the others, that they were going to redo their stat production after a certain age if they, quote-unquote, weren't on performance enhancers, right? And in their calculations, the decline after age 40 was so dramatic that Bonds only ended up with 550 home runs, his RBIs, his war, all of that. Where I mean, just when I tell you it went down, it, it went straight down. And I, I have a hard time with that. I'm a, I'm a big Bonds fan, right? I've always said that on the show. Um, but I have a hard time with that sharp decline because what we have seen from players that are older, because they're playing at such a high level, yes, you're going to see a decline, but it's not going to be like that, right? And it's going to be more gradual, right? Well, it, well you know, there's, there's, there's special athletes out there that you can say could slow father time. Um, you know, as as uh, can they cheat father time? Well, I look if you're a steroid user, we'll just call it that. If you're a steroid user, typically don't call it, don't, don't don't call it steroids. Call it performance enhancing. Because I when, when you, you say steroids, right. when you say steroids, you, think you know you do you do right. And I'm not putting these guys in that boat. Right. Which. Right. For well, for the record, like the biogenesis crew, the uh, you know, Belco, bio lab. What was that? Uh, uh, that yeah, Bel yeah, Belco, Belco, uh, Belco. Yeah, Belco, yeah. Right? So you know, those you're right. So poor performance. When you when you look at players that have taken it, they tend to get hurt and they start breaking down because I just think they've used it for too long and a lot of players break down. Um, I do think. 99 point something percent when you hit 38 when you when you are an athlete that is on the go 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 you 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 do start you start breaking down at, at 38 right and i think that's in most sports you have you do have that occasional person that go yamir yager i think he's still playing he's like 95 right no i think he finally gave it up at, at oh no he's playing he's playing in europe is your okay but in the NHL, he played for like 28 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't very good towards the end, right? He just kind of hung on. I think they liked him for leadership. He got his minutes, and off he went. So th there's a rarity, but to put up, to put up Hall of Fame numbers in your 40s is hard. If you look at Hank Aaron, arguably, you know, top five ball player of all time, of all time, top five. And that's 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 saying something in baseball. You're top five. There's a mm -hmm. lot of greats back in the day. His decline, he declined quite a bit in his 40s. I think he played until he's 44, but his numbers were nowhere near they were at 37, 38, 39. Sharp decline. And that's Henry Aaron. Mm -hmm. It's just 
it's a lot of wear and tear on a body, especially in baseball. So uh, again, I, I don't know what Barry took. He, you know, he hasn't admitted anything, right? His name just showed up in a report, but you know, you're not hitting 373 at 40 years old. I, I agree. And, and he, that's kind of where I'm going, right? Because I want to talk about a gentleman by the name of Mr. Alex Guerrero. Okay. Now, Alex Guerrero uh, is, was a, a nutritionist and personal trainer. Nutritionist, I like that word. Yeah, yeah to the stars, right? To the stars. Uh, one of those stars being Julian Edelman, right? And so he was, well, by proxy, you know, he had Julian Edelman. But, you know, he, he, was, he was training Julian Edelman. And at the time, Julian Edelman's coach was insistent that Alex Guerrero stay as far away from the facility, from the players, from the organization, because he knew he was dirty. He didn't want that to be tarnishing what they had worked hard for to right, try to. Re- he was already tarnished with spy gate. Exactly. He couldn't afford a uh, performance gate um, uh, scandal. Exactly. I mean, you know what it is. And so Edelman gets suspended for four games, right, for violating the league substance abuse policy. It was performance enhancing. After that, Alex Guerrero stayed away from the facility at the request of, of Mr. Belichick. There's another gentleman that was on the team at the same time, and his relationship with Alex Guerrero was a little closer than Julian Edelman's, right? Matter of fact, he was his personal trainer. Edelman was just getting some of the crumbs, if you can imagine, right? That's what he was. He, he was just picking up the crumbs. But that was his personal trainer. You want to look at some of the reasons why there was the rift between Belichick and Brady? Alex Guerrero is part of that. He is part of that because Brady is so reliant. He could tell you about his nutrition. He could tell you about his, his juicing. He could tell you all about that. But he's not going to tell you what's poking him in the ass. He's not going to tell you that, right? He's not going to tell you about the gummies that he's eating on the schedule that Alex told us about, right? Now, lo and behold, Brady goes to Tampa. Guess who is now on the training staff for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Alex Guerrero? You got it. You got it. I, 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 how you got that one, I don't know. Now, when they say there's smoke, there's fire, right? But I, I just want everybody to take a full 360-degree look, right? Yes, you can like them. You can hate them, whatever it is. But just, you know, if you're going to hate on Bonds, if you're going to hate on Clements, then turn around and just look at the sample. What you did from you know twenty two to thirty eight, I, I I can't deny it, right? You, you you had a hell of a career. What you did from thirty eight to where you are now at what forty four, you're doing the same thing that you were doing when you were twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, right? That just doesn't happen. The physics of the body doesn't allow that to happen. Drew Brees was cruising, cruising. The last two years that he played, he couldn't stay healthy. That's Strength right. Decline was was a shell of himself. That's right. Peyton, Peyton was 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 nowhere near what he could be. Now, I'm going to say this in 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 not in defense of Brady, 
then I don't have a problem with performance with the performance enhancers like HGH. I really don't because I think it helps the body recover, right? That's what it's designed for. So I don't I don't have a problem with that. If you're starting to go into more of the steroids, which we know Brady isn't because he's not getting the bulk, right? He's, he's doing something to help the body stay fresh, stay healthy. I don't have a problem with that unless it's illegal, right? Unless it gives you that advantage to somebody who else is not taking it, you know, th then, we, then we have something. So at the end of the day, CBD, I just want to put it out there right now. And, and these comments are solely that of Vince Coles of Official Word Sports. CBD, if you want to jump in and agree, you can't. Oh, something's going on. That I do believe that Tom Brady is uh, engaging in performance enhancers. That's for sure. I believe the NFL is well aware that Tom Brady is doing that. Right? Remember Eric Reed? Yeah. Remember? That's right. Remember? Remember he took the knee and when he came back and finally all that. Oh, he got that like fifteen times a day. He he sent. That's right. He he sent out his Twitter post how he was getting uh, drug tested every single week. That's not happening with Brady, right? They they do know, they do know, and if they wanted to expose him, they 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 uh, they absolutely would. But I believe they feel as though it's against their best interests. Right. That's why you got rid of spy, uh, got rid of the tapes and spy game. Right. The, the whole deflate game was that was such a show and such a farce. Right. To right. even bring that up, that was a farce. But that was to try to counter what you did with spy game. Right. Why are you deleting the tapes? If you don't delete the tapes, we'd never have this issue. Nobody's really no, ever complained. They, they didn't delete the tapes, they destroyed the tapes. Destroyed the tapes. My bad. <laughs> If they deleted the tapes, I think maybe I could try to recover it. Come on, can we get it? <laughs> it right? Absolutely. When you have a bonfire at, at one New York place there in the back, they got the special little section where they got the fire pit in the back where all the evidence they want to get rid of is, is, is in that, that fire pit. Right, that's absolutely right. So, I, you know, I'm going to – not not that I'm going to go on a crusade, but, you know, I just – Every time they want to say, oh, wow, he's amazing, he's 44, look at what he's doing, I'm going to say, okay, let, let's get a public drug test. Yeah. Now, what I will say, though, I don't care whatever performance enhancing, the pass he made to Mike Evans oh, that was the best. yard line was absolutely – you want to talk about just being in tune where your receiver is going to be. How that pass was completed, and it just looked like – that was just unbelievable. It was a good pass. I, I don't – at any age, no matter what you're on, to be able to just fall backwards that way to evade the rush, to throw it perfectly at the two-yard line when your receiver had no idea the ball's in the air, and he makes the cut, he's there, and the ball lands in his – that was ridiculous. That yeah. Was, you, know, you see a play every so often that, that Mahomes has made some really crazy plays. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert threw one in the basket this past week. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. Oh, uh, through like a sixty-yard rainbow. Oh, it's Did a sixty-five-yarder. Yes. Yes. Touchdown. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. He, yeah. He's he's wanted through one like that. Oh yeah. It, 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 and again, I'm not bringing up Herbert to take away from that. That was one heck of a pass. Absolutely, was a heck of a pass. All right. Uh, again, a loss is a loss. If you're a Bills fan, there, there's a couple things we we need to look at our coaching staff. I posted, don't make Brian Dable the scapegoat, which he will be. Uh, but you take care of business. You're going to need some help. But if you take care of business, uh, you know, refocus, 
turn the chapter, start of a new season, you know, week week 14. Stevie D, with week 14, that also means that the New York Jets will no longer be participating in any meaningful games in this 2021 season. Hey, I can't believe we went that long. So we're in the hunt. Right. I mean, so credit to, to you showed up at the bottom, right? right. In the hunt. Three and nine, we're in the hunt, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's some some good posts going on in Jetland about that. Like, we're still in there. We just got to win this game. We're still in there, right? It, yeah. Uh, it was a it was a it was a frustrating day, um, and there was some frustrating right off the bat. Ty Johnson first drive of the game. It's second and it's second and seven. We do it. He Zach goes through his progressions. Nothing's there. Right to Ty Johnson. Drops the ball. Could have been third and three. Now we're third and seven. We mm-hmm. don't make the next play. We got a punt. Mm-hmm. Next drive. Similar thing. It was, it, it was another thing. Right to Ty Johnson. Again, could have been third and two. Pass was slightly behind the running back. Very catchable ball, though. Very catchable ball. Uh, drops the ball. We won the punt. Mm-hmm. Third third drive of the game, Ty Johnson yet again. All right, so here's the theme. So that didn't get off to a good start, and uh, and, and we just couldn't we couldn't get it going. I, to me, this was the game that Zach Wilson showed me absolutely nothing. There was nothing redeeming about his play. So interesting. Last week, last week we were talking about how things were starting to look. Yeah. That every rookie's going to have ebbs and flows, but. Can I go back? So that was a victory, right? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't throw an interception, but you didn't do anything. Now, you didn't have Corey Davis. You didn't have Elijah Moore. Ooh. We had we missed. Tevin Coleman didn't play. Um, uh, Michael Carter obviously was still out. So you, you, we had no our starting tight end out. So there were some people missing. But you had Denzel Mims. Another two two costly plays in this game. <laughs> I want to give this guy a chance, and every time he gets on the field, he just does something stupid. And you're just like, we I, we had a play where illegal formation, killer. Like, dude, you 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 can't line up. You you got to step back. You, oh but anyway. It's just, it was just you, you know you should be you you shouldn't be rubbing the forehead right you're you're at the point where you know for for 14 weeks right you had to rub the forehead you had to rub the temples that now, now you know it's over. In the playoff hunt I still can't this you're, is rubbing the head I was in the playoff hunt right you're no longer in the hunt right but I'm talking yeah. about this game so next week when I talk about this game I'm rubbing the head and I'll be like, I'd be like this next week, <laughs> but honestly, I didn't see any growth uh, with with Zach Wilson. I I know playmakers weren't there, but even there, I just didn't see anything redeeming of Zach Wilson's game. You you're under forty five percent completion percentage. Uh, it was just it was just not good. Oh, yeah. but uh, but. It was just not a. It was not a good football game um, all the way around, and it, it's yet again. You know, I've been. Uh, you know, you asked the question, when do you start getting on Salah, right? And I think that's a fair question because I haven't gotten on him all year. I, if anything, I've probably made excuses for him uh, because he's a rookie head coach. And at the end of the day, nobody cares that you're a rookie head coach, right? At the end of the day, you know, even after you, you asked me that question, 
you know, in my back of my mind, I'm saying, you know, well, he's a rookie coach. He, he, you got to give him some slack. But really, should you get some slack? Do all the coaches get slack? Well, that that goes to a conversation. We we had to call you midday, right? And we all we all have regular jobs, right? In in the middle of, middle of the day, you know, football is on the mind twenty four seven. I, I just have to tell you. And so it happened to be with one of our uh, former uh, co-hosts with Jay, and we're going back and forth. And I have been railing, absolutely railing against Sean McDermott, right? And so what I started to explain to Jay is that there's tears of the coaches in the NFL, right? You're going to have your Dick Durons and your Hugh Jacksons, right? I had to get the name. You got, you got a college coaching job with Gramble and State. I'm like, oh, Gramble. You know, you had the great Eddie Robinson there. How in the world could you tarnish that legacy by bringing in Hugh Jackson? I, I just don't get it. He was going to go to Gramble and be like, I'm sitting in this seat. No one has sat in a seat like this before me. Really? A guy with, a guy with 700 wins? Right? But that, that's you. But I, I digress. When, when you look at the, the tiers of coaches, right? There's some that are just stuck at the bottom. They're mired in being just poor, below average coaches, right? For whatever reasons. A lot of time it's ego. A lot of times they're just not qualified for, for the position, right? Then you have your next wave, right? Your next wave is kind of like your rebuilding coach, right? Uh, when you start to look at Robert Salah, and I, you know, I'm not going to go through all the different, but when you start to look at Robert Salah, the question is, you know, where where the Jets are were, right, is he just a stopgap? And that's why they took somebody with inexperience to kind of come in here and kind of just hold the seat until you guys have gone through all of these draft picks that you're getting from Seattle and everywhere else, and then you go in and you bring that next tier. No, no, it's not. And I'll tell you why. The Jets, Woody Johnson, okay? Willie Johnson bought the team in 2000 when uh, Leon Hess passed away. We had we had Bill Parcells, the head coach at that time. Mm-hmm. We had Bill Belichick for 32 seconds, and then he left us at the podium, right? So, but if you look at the Jets in 2000, Herm Edwards. <laughs> we play to win the game. Okay, rookie head coach. Never coached in the NFL as a head coach. Okay, let him go. We get the man genius, okay? Eric Mangini, rookie head coach, never coached before. Who was after Mangini? Rex Ryan, rookie head coach, okay? Who was after Rex Ryan? Todd Bowles, rookie. Not He was an interim, but he's still a rookie coach at, at the job, interviewed, got the job. Who's after Todd Bowles? Okay, we went and got a seasoned veteran. I do this on purpose. The quarterback whisper? Yeah. Adam Gase. That didn't work out. That that first press conference with his eyes, he was done, right? We might as well have a rookie coach in Adam Gase. The first coach we had that had coaching experience, Adam Gase. And now rookie head coach Robert Sal. So when you look at Woody Johnson and what he's doing when he hires folks, ultimately, because he's got to sign the check, they they sign rookie coaches. So, But let, let me stop you there, and I'll let you answer this. There's a theme to what you have said, and there is a theme yeah, to – coaches. Well, that that too, but there's a theme to what you said, and there's a theme to the history of the Jets over this period of time. You have been mediocre, except for the Rex years, where you had a couple years where you went to the championship. With Eric Mangini's team, 
Rex Ryan was able to make it happen. Sure, sure. I'm sure Rex will be coming after you after that. But outside of that, it has been mediocrity. I got a foot for you, Rex. Uh, for, it, it has been mediocrity for the Jets or below that, right? You oh, yeah. you haven't ascended. And that's why, you know, they, they may be looking at these rookies, but at some point, you're Joe Douglas, if he's going to keep his job, is going to have to say, no, I, I need coaching experience. I need somebody so that we can take that next step. It's taking well, the next I, step. I, 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 the coaches got to have an opportunity to work their magic, right? The the guy in St. Louis, the St. Louis, oh my God, the uh, the Cardinals a couple years ago, Wilkes, Steve yeah. Wilkes, he didn't get a chance, right? David Coley with the Texans is not going to get his chance. No, he's not going to get his chance, right? Uh, because that that ownership is in disarray. When I look at Salah, they have a plan. They went young. They got young players. They went young. Yeah, obviously, in the draft, you get young players. And they're going to build. They're going to leverage the 22 draft and bring in the next wave of, of young players with all their picks that they have and, and sprinkling some free agents here. Not high-priced free agents, but they're going to bring sprinkle some free agents in. And and hopefully by year three, not year two, right, by year three with Salah, that, that starts coming together where everybody understands the, the play calling, the offensive side of the ball, our defense side of the ball, everybody understands the place because they're a young football team. We don't have – our secondary was so young, you got to learn the scheme, and I just think it takes time. Like, not every – some teams think you can just go from not a good football team and all of a sudden be a playoff team. The Jets' roster was very poor, okay? You just can't just all of a sudden turn over a roster and think you, you can do it. But right? it, and I agree with that. But you have to you have to stair step, right? We're not saying skip steps, but stair step. What's the stair step that you you look at this year compared to last year? It, it, well, I want to see Zach's got to take the steps. It's hard to rate the secondary for the Jets because they're all hurt. You got players that are playing on the field that are not going to be on the team next year because they're all hurt, and so you're you're pulling people off practice squads. So again, it, I. Is that Joe Douglas? We can't get players to stay healthy. Well, look, look, look at your offensive line. Look at your running game. Look at your running game and your I offensive like, line. I like our offensive line. I don't have a. I don't. I don't like our center. And we finally got rid of our right guard and Van Rotten because he's been rotten, right? Yeah, that was a pun on, play on words. He's been rotten, and he's finally on the bench, right? So, I, honestly, our offensive line hasn't been awful, and we've missed Mac- Mackay Becton out all year, and we had to put George Fant, who would have been a right tackle. He's been a left tackle, and if you look at the statistics on George Fant, he's one of the top tackles in the league, which nobody would have thought that going over the left tackle. And he's been a really surprise. So our offensive line hasn't been awful. It took a couple of weeks to gel, new 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 people, new spaces, right? You had to you had to obviously Fant going to left tackles, new there to learn. Um, Vera Tucker, who's a rookie out of USC, he's been playing very well at, at left guard. You got Moses, who you signed in training camp to play right tackle. Ultimately, wanted to play right tackle because Beckham got hurt. Uh-huh. That's a new lineman. You got McGovern and Rand Rotten. They both stink. Our center and right guard stink. And now, finally, we we, get, we replaced Rotten with Tardif from from the Chiefs in that trade. And he's actually stepped in. He's actually played pretty well in his two starts. So, I think our offensive line is isn't he the, do- isn't he the doctor? Isn't he yeah. the doctor? Isn't he the doctor? I I thought that he yards per carry over the last five weeks. We're getting our mojo running the football. I just wish we'd run it more. Sure. We're just not doing it more. Steve, I thought I thought he had, or was it just a couple seasons that he had stepped away to for one. the medical career? Just one. one? Yeah, for the COVID year. 
Okay. But he wasn't a starter for the Chiefs because, you know, they overhauled it, uh, the offensive line, and brought in a lot of people. So that kind of regulated him to the bench. And I think the Chiefs wanted to reward him because he was stuck on the depth chart and give the kid a chance to go somewhere to play. Sure, sure. So they gave him to the third worst team in the NFL as a, as a thank you for your service. But hey, we'll take you in. Well, now, I'm going to tell you, I'm looking at, and I don't know how I was looking at it, but I'm looking at the draft order. You're sitting pretty good for the 2022 draft. Yeah. And you could do better. Because you are going to do better. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, with all of their dysfunction, right? Jacksonville has a shot to maybe get one, maybe two more wins. I don't, well, they play the Jets, right? So that's going to be one. That, one. That, that may decide the number two pick, right? Exactly. So uh, you, you get, you're not catching the Lions, who you know, truth be told, the the Lions have played hard, yes. right? They should have four wins. They're screwing they, me, the Lions. Yes, they are. You, no, you can be setting up. I like where the Jets are sitting. We have two top ten picks. I think the Seahawks are are going to win some more games here before the end. So we'll probably be outside the top ten with the second first round pick. But when you look at how many picks we have in the, in the top eighty, I think we have five in the top eighty. So we're we're looking good there. Again, it, it's a it's a stepping stone of rebuilding the team. You have a very poor roster. Everybody knows in the NFL we had a poor roster. It's not a surprise. This is not a shocker. Now the Jet fans want instant wins. One one more thing. One one more thing. You guys are projected to have seventy plus million dollars under the cap. Yeah, yeah. Which Wheeler Johnson won't spend, right? Unless the league makes you spend it. So then we'll right. overpay for guys like, uh, oh god, who is that corner? Wild Jack? Goose. Wild Goose. Wild Goose. He'll be a free agent. Who was the Johnson cornerback? His first name is Escape Me. We signed from the Rams. All this money. Oh, my God. Johnson was his last name. His first name is Escape Me, this corner. Anyway, we'll blow it on, on somebody that's $18 million a year won't play for us. But, honestly, to go back with Salah, there, there's issues that I have. Is One, his challenges are awful. He doesn't challenge plays that he should challenge. His clock management when it's time to call a timeout in critical situations where it's fourth and one and you're going for it and we can't get the play in and we just let the clock run out instead of calling timeout to preserve the fourth and one so you can set the play up and actually run it. Awful at that. Um, There's times where I think he's too passive on the sideline and I think he needs to jump in. And, And the one thing Belichick when you talk about the great coaches, Andy Reid does it, Belichick does it, I, I, Tomlin does it. I'm, I'm a Tomlin guy. Some people don't like Tomlin. I, I like Tomlin. They coach the whole team on game day. They'll coach the whole team. They'll go over when the defense is sucking and get in there and work with the players. Obviously, he's got the headset on or whatnot, and he's working with the D.C. and, the play, and trying to find the scheme, right? And, and I look at – at, at, at Salah, I don't see that. I, I see times where he almost looks overwhelmed as a coach when they go to him. Like uh-huh. he doesn't have answers and, and he's, he's pondering and he's not. It's like almost there's a saying I, I used to say to my son. Are you are you watching or are you playing? Because you're on the field. You got to be playing. Uh-huh. Right. Next play. Everything's the next play. Obviously, he's a baseball player. And, and, and it's not just a ground ball from short to first base. Right, it's an overthrow, 
you have to go get the ball, and the next play he throws it. So it's next play. It's always next play. But sometimes with Salah, I just think he's not he's not there for the next play. Like he's just in no man's land. And and I don't know if that's fixable. Um, I I don't know. But there's things in his game as a coach. He's got he's got to clean up. He, he's got to find. It, it's 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 interesting that you he say needs that. To find a really good mentor to help him clean. Sean, Mc, Sean McDermott is a great mentor. Well, look, Sean McDermott. I, I'll tell you, there, there's times on him. I think the the game he get he chokes he, in big moments, like he does. He, he absolutely does. Right? Like yeah. I think there's times with with Dayball that some of these play calls in these situations, like why isn't Sean McDermott like Dayball? What the hell are you doing? Why why are we doing? We just scored 24 points in the fourth quarter to tie this game. Why are we moving away? What's working? Because I don't think I that, don't that that was. Think, I don't yeah. believe that's not Dayball. Right, I, I was saying that in jest, but that's not Dable. I, you, you know, I use McDermott in, in jest, and, and I'll speak on that in a minute. But I, I really wanted to focus here and let you finish up with Salah. Right, I, I've I've railed on him all year, right? Because I don't think I don't think that he's ready for the undertaking, whether it be the city of New York, right? It's a huge market, huge media market, but you're also, right, the reason we talk about this all the time, the reason why a coach is being hired nine times out of ten is because the coach before him failed and the team is just that bad, right? This situation for the Jets is one where it's actually appealing. It would be appealing to many of those coaches that are out there looking for a job because, You've already reached the bottom, right? Now you're working your way out, right? And now you've started to get the capital for the the Jamal Adams, right? You're starting to get the capital for some of these other players. You have your own, and now you're able to bring in these highly coveted, right, uh, assets coming out of college. And it's just a matter of taking it to that next step and beyond. We talk about the stair steps, right? And when I look at Robert Sala, I, I just look at a guy who was one heck of a coordinator there in San Francisco, right? Put the defense together, and you know they were able to write a lot of their success off of him. But he just was the the next big thing. It didn't mean that he was the next big head coach. It just meant that he had a really good defense, time and place, right? And that's where I think you guys are missing is, is that you need the right person who has the right temperament. You talk about coaching, you know, both all, all facets, offense, defense, special teams, coaching up the players. You need that guy that has that temperament. You need the guy that's already kind of been through the war so that he knows don't do that again, right? Don't do this again. Yes, throw the challenge flag. Yes, get in the ref's ear from the first minute of the game so that potentially later on in the game, you know, I might get that makeup call, right? Things that Belichick will do, things that Tomlin will do. These are things that experienced coaches really can do to benefit the team. Whereas, <coughs> excuse me, the first year head coach, I, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not ready to, to throw him out the door. New, New York is hard enough, um, and 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 to me, I, I think when he does these press conferences, he gives out too much information. He, he he needs to he needs to shorten it and not give out too much information. But that's because he, he's trying to win friends. He that's he right. knows he's in a tough market. He's yeah. trying to get yeah. friends, and, and it, it doesn't work. It just it, it won't work. Uh, it, it works before you coach your first game. 
Right. Because you're, you're, you're zero and zero. Nobody knows anything about you. So you, you sound great. And then all of a sudden you start winning. You're not winning. They'll turn on you. Because why? Yeah. They're all fighting for that next story because you got too many reporters. They're trying to get that story. And the other thing that, that I, a perception that I have of Salah is that he doesn't hold his players accountable because there's too many stupid penalties that happen. And it's the lack of discipline that he's putting on his players. Cause he came out and said, um, I'm about the players making money, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he was very big. He said it multiple times at the end of the day. I don't know if he's holding his players accountable for the stupid mistakes that they make that are costing your team to get off the field. The stupid penalties that the Jets defensive players make game after game on third down, when you stop them to go to fourth down and you get stupid penalties to extend the drives, they're a killer. There's the last two weeks, there's been quarters where we are not able to get Zach and the offense on the field because our defense are creating penalties to extend the drives and they're turning out to be eight-minute, ten-minute drives. Zach goes one, three, and out. Now, all of a sudden, your defense is doing stupid stuff again. Uh-huh. And again, it's another five, six-minute drive. And you can't ask your defense to be on the field that much. It, you can't, especially when you're a young, young team, you're missing weapons. It's not too easy to get those first downs. And, and you're shooting yourself in the foot. And this is week after week we're making these stupid penalties. Where is he holding his players accountable for that? You, you have their back. That's great. Maybe you're coming behind the scenes. You're doing it. You may be doing that. I use the example Nathan Shepard, defensive lineman, number 97 for the Jets. Okay. One of the worst defensive linemen in the league. He's got the most penalties per snap when you're on the field. Number one in the league. Killer on third down penalties. Mm. I, the example I said, and maybe I'll be able to, Mike Singletary, love him. Love what he did with Vernon Davis. Love it. Mm-hmm. You can't win with stupid players. You cannot do it. You can't win with stupid players. And Nathan Shepard is a stupid player not knowing down and distance and what's going on in the field doing stupid penalties. I would have had him come off the field, and I would just turn to him. I would bring him over. Come here. What's what I want you to do? Take the jersey off and take your pads off and go to the locker room because you're done for the day. Right? You want to set an example? Nathan Shepard is nothing from a Jet player. He's not in their long-term plans. But you want to set an example for the other players? No, would that ever be done? No, no, not, not, not at all. But but you have to make a statement. Then bench them the rest of the game because I can't I can't win with you. And maybe that's a wake up for other players. I just don't know about the accountability of holding players that are making stupid plays. But again, you go back to being the rookie head coach. But look, everybody's that, a rookie head coach at some point in their career. Agreed. But why do I have to be the printer guard, the kindergarten pre K? There's no way, right? Because then he's going to learn from that, hopefully grow from that. There's going to be another opportunity to be like, yeah, I remember back when I was with the Jets. You know, I used to screw up all the time. Now I know what not to do, and we're going to do good things. Stevie D, I, I want to change the, the – the, Yeah, please do. The, the topic do here. You know, we still want to talk about a Jet, right? Okay. Actually, former Jet. Right. Um, and, and we went back and forth on this with Philip Adams, right? Philip Adams was, uh, you know, I guess killed six people and then took his own life, right? Sad story, right? Not, not here to debate that. 
but instantly they said, you know, that he suffered from or had CTE, right? Um, which is what chronic, traumatic, whatever, because I'm not a doctor, right? Starts with a D. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Um, I struggle with this. And, and, and we went back and forth, right? Here, here's why I struggle with this. CTE is vogue right now, right? Ever since a, a little bit before the movie Concussion, right? And that's how the movie Concussion came out. And you had uh, Mike Webster. You had, was it Dave Dorson? You had uh, some of the other players. They even wanted to link Aaron Hernandez in there. With Junior CTE. Seau was the kind of link Ju to it, I Ju think. Junior Seau, absolutely. And... and I, I'm not here to discredit CTE. I'm not here to do that or to say that. But I, I do believe that the medical, some in the medical community, and especially the media, uh, and some of the zealots that are out there uh, that are anti-football, anti-contact sports, right, are looking for something to hang their hat on, right? And here comes this thing, a little short acronym, right? Three letters, it rolls off the tongue really nice, CTE, right? That's why it happened. Well, CVD, I'm here to tell you since the beginning of time, there have been just people who were off, yeah. right? Yeah. Just off. And, and they are all around us in all walks of life. There are doctors who are off. There are judges who are off. There are lawyers who are off. There are politicians who are off. There are school teachers who teach our kids who are off. There's, <laughs> there are athletes who are off, right? They all, when and by saying that they're off, they do something that goes against the grain of society. Killing people, right? Raping women, raping men, um, you know, having child pornography, do, just doing things that go against the mainstream of society, right? And as long as you don't have a jersey on with a number, then then we say, well, they may need psychiatric help or, you know, let's look in their background what happened. Oh, they may have been abused as a child. They grew up in a rough neighborhood. They did this. They did. There's all kinds of excuses. Not yet to this date. Have I heard anybody? Oh, thank you, Dana. Dana, Dana's providing. Yeah, I, I know what the E is. I just can't pronounce that. <laughs> and I'll leave it up to the good doctors in, in, in our world to do so. But not yet have I heard of one, uh, one um, post-mortem type activity where they went to review the brain of those folks, right? They reviewed the, the brain of John Gacy, if you remember, you know, uh, back in the day, serial killer. They wanted to see what was going on in his brain, you know, that made a tick. But you never hear that. Susan Smith, I didn't hear that, right? None of these people. You said John Gacy? Yeah. Yeah, I think when they did that scan, they showed a jet logo in his head. <laughs> but but they, nev they never do that, right? It's only because you have a jersey on that they want to say that football's so violent and football does this and hockey's so violent and hockey does this. And when the person does something, then they want to say, oh, it's because of CTE. Now, I'm not saying that CTE isn't there. I I'm willing to bet. And I told you, I told you this. I probably suffer from CTE. 
right? Yeah, the Buffalo Bills. And that very well to do, right? Uh, that very well could be it. I mean, I remember even when I was playing little little league football, right? When you had the Rydell helmets with the little you know little, little pads in there that you know back in the day had the afro and it would leave the indentations in there, right? But you know when when you were little and you were playing football and you got that helmet, you thought you were invincible, and you would like, take your head and bang it up against the wall, right? All of a sudden your eye starts tearing. Come to find out when your eye starts to tear, right? That's a form of a mild level concussion, right? Didn't know that back then. So in essence, I was concussing myself before I even played a game, right? Over the years, you still did the same stupid stuff, right? But now all of a sudden when you were playing the game, the contact became real, right? So I, you know, I'm not saying that I have the same thing that that the NFL ball players have, but I would say that certainly I have that, right? But I'm wondering do many more of us have it from just different things, falls that we may have had, right? Everybody ha- has had an, an encounter where they're like, wow, I almost blacked out from that. Wow, you know, that, that was a hard fall, right? A jarring movement that kind of rattled the brain. But again, going back to that, we don't say that I need to look at Vince's brain when he dies because of this, right? But they want to go look at the ball players. Aaron Hernandez, they wanted to look at Aaron Hernandez's brain. Oh, look at that. We see all this CTE. Well, time out. Yeah. Time, time out. <laughs> Let's talk about Aaron Hernandez, right? Let's not. Let's talk about this. You, you, you learn the story that he grew up in an abusive household, right? You learn the story that he was, you know, gravitating to kind of the street life. You learn the story that he was kind of raised partially in a drug house, right? You learn all of that. You learn that, or you see that he's adopted into kind of that street life, maybe have an association. If he if he's not associated to the Bloods, I have no idea why he put any of that on, on his body, right? That's So I, I'm hoping that that is true, right? Because then, then you're just an idiot, right? You're, you're just as bad as Takashi 69 right? Let's call it what it is. But if you did all of that, you've adopted that lifestyle. That is the reason why Odin Lloyd is dead, right? Not because you played tight in and you got hit in the head a few times. That has nothing to do with it. It's because you adopted this lifestyle. There were some things that transpired throughout the, the those previous days and weeks that you in your mind said, you know what? I got to handle my business. And that's what it was. It wasn't the brain. It was you trying to be macho, machismo, and saying, I got to handle my business. Why did you die? Well, you died because you were afraid of being outed. That's why you died. Right. Because there's you, you were you were granted a retrial, right? You you were found that when you found not guilty on the Boston murders. And you were given a retrial for the Odin Lloyd. So in essence, in the law that was recently changed, you were a free man. Right. Not somebody who wants to commit suicide. I I don't I think Aaron Hernandez is is, is not a case for CTE. You can make a case for Junior Seau that he had things going on in his head, and right, you can make the case for that. We don't know for sure. We don't. 
you know, this, this, this guy, Adams, he killed six people, but he killed his doctor. And from what I understand, they, there was not a bad relationship between him and the doctor. Mm-hmm. All right. It's, it's, again, to what we know, it's been reported. So what makes somebody do that? I, I, I don't know, but you know, we kind of alluded people make, make bad decisions and do, do things that they just kill people. And is, is that one of those scenarios? I don't know. When you seek help and you know something's wrong up top, you go to seek the help. I tend to lean that maybe something was, was there, whether that was CTE or something else going on in in his head, right? Maybe there's something else going on. Um, and, and, and he, he committed a horrific act and, you know, ultimately seven people died that day. Um, and I, I'm willing to follow you there, right? I'm not willing to, to put the label and brand it as CTE. Sure, yeah, I, yeah. I'm willing to say that, you know, there was something going on. Like Mike Webster. Mike Webster was, I, I, I think he homeless. Was he homeless? I think he was. It was something, right? He was. And, and there's hundreds of thousands of people homeless that have killed themselves, right? It has nothing to do with football or anything else. You're in a bad, you're in a bad way. I'm homeless. I got no money. I'm on the street. Maybe you suffer from depression because you, you maybe you look at yourself as I was the center for four Super Bowls, right? Uh, sure. I mean, it could be something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, the girl that killed Steve McNair, right? Mercer said, hey, just get her brain. She just decided to you know, commit a, a double homicide, right? I mean, and, and there's so, there's so there's so many things you we don't know, you know. No matter if you're you're in the in the spotlight or not, we don't know what really happens behind closed doors, right? right. You you don't know what is. I mean, even with the the Olympic gymnast, right? We didn't know their 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 stories were were public. We saw them train. We saw them go to the Olympics. We saw them in nationals. But lo and behold, we didn't know what was going on with the doctor. That's sick. How about Penn State with men's football? What was going on with the, the doctor? The, Sandusky, whatever his name was. But but where I'm going with that, Stevie D, that that is those are things that were so traumatic. We don't know how that's impacting those girls and what the impact will be. Right? We don't know what what happened with Adams in his life growing up. Maybe it was something recent traumatic. Right? That all of a sudden. The brain just kind of just went a little haywire and yeah. misfunction and, and malfunction, and now he needs help. There, there's too much that's out there. All I'm saying at the end of the day is that they have to stop putting the stamp because you're a football player, because you're an athlete. That okay, if you did something bad, we got to get your brain because it's CTE. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I think that's more than a fair point there, right? I think that's more than a fair point. So, Stevie D, we, we, we went into a lot today, a lot of it being Buffalo Bills. We did talk about the Jets and, and obviously CTE. But I do want to uh, take a moment, right, because uh, over this past week, I have been making my, my feelings felt about – there it is. Thanks, Dana. Thank you. 
I, I, I've been making my feelings felt about Sean McDermott. Been been posting in social media, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, different you things. Stuck a nerve to a couple of fans. <laughs> I, I, I did, right? You, you, you got those McDermott lovers out there that are talking about, I hope you step on a sharp Lego. Oh, oh, okay, pal. All right. Oh, okay, buddy. Wait, thank you. Um, but, you know, more and more each day, I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more resolute in, in my feelings that I talked about with you, with, with Robert a lot, talked about, you know, the stair steps. Um, I, I have, I've always been a little weary of Sean McDermott. I like your game, Sean. I, I, I like your game. You came to the podium on day one and said, hey, you got to trust the process, right? Code four, give me more than three years. Right, that's all that was because Buffalo had a history of running you after two years. Right, give me three years. Right, and, and I, part of me agrees with you. Right, and, and Steve, we talk about it all the time. You need continuity. Right, you can't constantly keep changing every two years because you're impacting the quarterback, and the line, and the scheme, and and everything else, and you will stay in the same position because you're just recycling mediocrity. Right, so I again, Sean. If you're listening, you know, I, I, I like your game. I game game respects game, as they say, right? <laughs> However, your game has run 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 its course. It really has. Wow. It, it, and it has, Stevie D, because well, at seven and six, when you're supposed to be the uh, the favorites to represent the the AFC in the exhibition game. I said that for you. Uh, right. I'm on a crusade. I'm on a crusade. It, it, it takes one. It's <laughs> well, you don't have two just yet, but I, I said it for you. Um, it's a very disappointing season at seven and six. There's no excuse for it, right? You 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 beat the teams that you were supposed to beat, and you haven't outside of the Chiefs, you haven't beat you know, you, you won the games I guess you were supposed to win. The the tougher games that you should I still think you should have beat the Tennessee Times. I think there's games out there that you left. You know, there's no reason why you shouldn't be ten and three or nine and four right now. Not not seven and six. Sorry, I absolutely and, and agree. At the end of the day, the talent is there, and and at the end of the day, you have to look at the head coach. Now, is it fireable? I, I don't. I don't. Well, know. He, here's why. It, he, here's why it is. And, who do you replace him with? If you fire well, him right now, who there, do you there, there, there's, there it is. Right right? Who do you replace him with? Who no, 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 no. I don't know yet. Right. Oh, and no, so no. because I don't know yet, I'm not going to run you. Right. You're still doing the right job. But what the Pagula should be doing is starting to throw that net out there. Let, let's let see who is out there. Right. Who can help take us to that next level? And you have to now hold accountability to to Bean, right. The general manager, Brandon Bean, you have to hold accountability. Yes, it sounded good that you re-signed everybody. You know, you, you brought in a couple people, a couple new faces, but you basically re-signed all of your free agents. But when you when you look at this team, there were there were big gaps, right? There were gaps at the running back position. We knew this. This was not a surprise. The, you had gaps at on your offensive line. We knew this wasn't a surprise. You had gaps with your pass rush. We knew that, not a surprise, right? And so then you went out there and you ignored the running back position 
you basically ignored the offensive line saying, I'm going to re-sign everybody because I think that they're going to be okay. And then you went heavy in the draft on your defensive line, right? You signed a Greg Rousseau who – or, or you drafted a Greg Rousseau who, when you were drafted, the first thing I said on the podcast is that it's never good when the highlights come on and the quarterback is scrambling towards you, and that's when you make the tackle, right? Every other – Micah Parsons – who is just blowing up the league, right? When you look at the player of the year, not just rookie. For sure. When you looked at his clips over at Penn State, right? His clips were he was going to the quarterback, blew up the the tackle, and made the sack, right? Rousseau, with his clips, he was sitting back, waiting. All of a sudden, the quarterback scrambling out of the pocket. Then he takes off and he tackles, right? Issues there. Boogie Basham, I don't know what happened there. He was a good player at Wake Forest. Second-round pick, and it hasn't translated to anything. So, in essence, your first two picks, your value picks, you have got zero productivity. Zero. That's on Brandon Bean. You look at Star Latulier, right? Everybody says, oh, Star is great. Star is this. Star is that. Right in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, we we have a proven guy. This guy hasn't done crap for the Bills, right? It's decided in, in his own opinion, and I, I can't hold that against him. But he wanted to take last year off because of COVID. I get it. We don't know what we're dealing with. You worried about the family, blah blah blah, right? If you felt that way, then why are you playing this year? COVID hasn't gone away. Why are you playing this year? And speaking of playing, you don't play this year, do you? Because all of a sudden, either you got COVID or because you're in the game and you're not doing anything. The, and that, now it's a toe injury. It's been a shoulder injury. The, the least productive player, you, you want to talk about free agent bus? there you go, right? But that's on Brandon Bean, right? So when I look at this, they come together in pairs. We all know this, right? You got Pace and Nagy. You got Gettleman and uh, what's his face? Yeah. Thank you. In New York, they all come in pairs, right? And so now we have Bean and McDermott, which tells me that I'm going to be stuck with Sean McDermott, and unless he gets his head out of his ass, that we are going to be stuck at a team in mediocrity because he can't coach. He's afraid. Yet you have a critical game, fourth and three, midfield, you punt. You need the ball. You need points. You punt. You're not holding your coordinators accountable. You're not holding. You talked about accountability, CVD. You talked about a player that they dumb penalties, dumb plays, right? Aside from the last couple weeks, and I will give credit, right? If if I'm going to rail, I am going to give you credit. Aside from the last couple weeks, the penalties have been absolutely out of control. Dumb penalties, false starts, offsides, right? Things that just should never happen. Out of control. That's on you, McDermott. Double-digit penalties out of control. Yeah, we, we talked. I, I said this before. Uh, well, before, before we joined, your owner needs to do a subtle thing in the in the media to talk about his displeasure with his team, and he doesn't necessarily maybe have to call out a player or a coach by name, but you don't have to. If you're if you're an owner that doesn't say anything publicly. And you now say something publicly, and depending on what words you choose, could have a very big impact in that locker room. 
You're you're spot on. I, I, I don't like owners. I don't like owners like Jerry Jones. I'm not a fan of the Jerry Jones ownership. You know, the George Steinberg in the baseball running his mouth in the 70s and 80s can be very counterproductive, right? Because once you open your mouth all the time, ah, there he is just running his mouth again. And pay no attention, right? But now all of a sudden an owner doesn't say anything, and now he does. You know, those players are going to sit back and take note. Oh, that, that guy's talking to me. E.F. Hutton. Remember the okay. commercial? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Oh, okay. Now I do. Yep. Had, a, yep. had a moment. Had a senior moment. Well, it's a um, senior commercial. So, but I seriously about Terry. I, I I think he should should do that, and may, maybe that will uh, spark something. Like, Ooh, um, I don't know. This is yeah. Something has to happen, and, and I think McDermott is a type where he's very stuck in his ways. Right, it, this is the way I know how to do it. Um, and what's unfortunate is that you have a window. Right. Yes, that's right. You told, you mentioned that that window. And each year that window closes and closes, right? And then when it opens back up, you you have to kind of you kind of have to massage it to get it to the right spot, right? Whether it be rookie quarterbacks again, whether it be rebuilding offensive line, whether it be rebuilding the defense, what have you, and then you get it to the right spot, and then you got that window, right? And and when you have some of the good general managers and good head coaches, when that window opens back up, it doesn't open as wide, right? And they're able to kind of rinse and repeat, a la your boy Bill Belichick up there in New England, right? I don't have a Bill Belichick at, at one Bill's drive. I don't have that, right? And so when my window starts to close, I'm very concerned that it's going to reach a point where it closes, and then we have to start over again. Right. And, and a long process. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Well, Stevie D, um, you know, we went, we went a little longer, uh, probably more my fault, sorry, for my rant on the officiating and the bills. I really didn't go in hard on the bills. I went more on the officiating. Uh, maybe I'll go back next time and, you know. Oh, by the, way, in the NFL. by the way, Stevie D, so a couple, couple stories before we sign up. So. <laughs> You know, you just said we went long, so you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. Well, no, nobody's listening to these anyways, right? This, right? this is more me and you. So I had an opportunity. Obviously, the game was here in Tampa. I had an opportunity to go to the game. I was sweating bullets going to this game, Stevie D. Because I'm sitting – I'm sitting – well, it has nothing to do with the game, right? I got the invite from our CEO, right? So I'm hanging with the CEO in, in their suite. And it's all senior level management, right? I know how I am, right? This is why. This is why, you know, when when the ask came, I was like, I can't say no, right? But what do I do? And, and, and I was deathly afraid. And my CEO's the coolest guy in the world, right? He was like, Ah, oh, just be yourself, right? We're here to have a good time. Just be yourself. I'm like, Yeah, but you don't understand. And I tried to warn him multiple times. I'm like, you just don't understand. I'm not like you guys. (laughs) Just just to put it out there. I'm not like you guys. I kind of get a little like, oh, have a good time. Okay. Every three words is the F-bomb. So, if you can only imagine for the first half of this game. Oh, I was imagining. Because because your your nephew was saying the same thing. Is Uncle Vince going to be all right? I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be able to contain himself. 
that that's tough. That, for, that's tough. For, at the game in the suite, you got to be for good. The first three quarters, I was like, oh, I mean, my I was chewing my tongue, chewing the side of my ah. I had to walk outside. You toted it, it, the line. You toted the line. For the I told. I I toted the line. But here's the funny thing: we were in there, and there were some additional Bills fans in there. In the suite. In the suite. Another story I'll have to tell you, but in the suite, yes. So there were actually quite a few Bills fans in there. And so one guy had his hand in his head, right? His head in his hand, like that. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's typical Bills fan right there, right? I said, we ride the roller coaster of emotions, right, throughout a game. We love you at the start of the game. We hate you, right? And then we love you. And then we hate you again. We love you. And then depending if we win or lose, we still at the end of the day love you. Right? It, it just, it's how it goes. It's a love-hate relationship. Anyways, so he's got head in hand. Then we had uh, another guy, and he's over on the side. And I forget what the play was. It was some dumb call by McDermott. <laughs> it had to be. And he lets off with the four-letter expletive. And I had this look like, ooh, ooh, did anybody hear that, right? Not that I'm trying to be a snitch. But You're to me, but, but to me, then that opens it up, right? If he can say it, then I can say it. <laughs> and so I looked around, and everybody was just like, you know, it just it didn't phase anybody. And after that, and, and really, I'm going to say it was karma for me and karma for my bills, because that was right around that third quarter mark, right? And once I realized that I could go back to being myself, I was a little bit more comfortable. Almost like I was at home in my recliner comfortable, right? And then things were happening, and you started to hear things from me, right? And they did too. And and the first one was funny because I said something, and then I had to look around to make sure that they weren't like, hey, Vince, we're going to need to have a talk on Monday morning, that that type of thing. But none of that happened. They were just like, oh, happy-go-lucky. Then there was the, the Fournette call, and I get in an argument on the Fournette call, right? And he's like, oh, that was clearly a first down. What the bleep are you looking at? <laughs> I'm like, he's a full yard short. I'm like, what are you looking at? Right? Good banter. It was friendly banter, right? right there, it, there's nothing malicious in that. But if the key card still worked in the morning. It did. It did. And, and, and that was a great thing. That's what, that's what was enjoyable. But, you know, I was – I had it all bottled up, right? And it was just ready to just unleash, and so it did. So I wanted to share that with you. Interesting. But it was good to be out the game. I did a couple of live streams. Unfortunately, we had, we had some video issues, uh, and – uh, we had some video issues. Oh, absolutely. Many thanks. Many thanks. Love it. Thank you very much, Dana. Um, but, yeah, so I tried to do the live stream out there. Stevie D, the sea of blue. Now, you, you've you been down here, right? You live down here. You know, like I know, the Tampa fans are garbage. Garbage 100%, right? They can say all they want to say. Everybody walks around wearing their Buccaneer shirt. When I tell you there was a Buffalo takeover, you are a first-place defending exhibition game champion, right? You you are playing, quote-unquote, a quality team. That stadium should have been a sea of red and not Bills red, but Buccaneer red. It should have been a sea of red. 
let me tell you, massive takeover, whether it be the tailgating in the parking lots, you watching the people come in. And if you look at the aerial picture from the Bills sideline, from end zone to end zone, it was blue. It was blue. Blue and white. white you know, some people had their wagers. It was blue and white. You did. You saw little specks of red, and I, I challenge you that the red was the Bills jersey red. And so when I listen on the TV, on the TV, you definitely heard the Bill fans during the game uh, on plays. Fourth quarter, Stevie D, that place erupted like yeah, they have to fire the cannons to get the people in Tampa to get up, right? We didn't need any cannons being fired. We didn't hear any Buffalo stampeded. All we saw was that all of a sudden, you know, again, the ebbs and flows of a Bills fan, when all of a sudden we started playing good, we're like, oh, finally, you know, something to watch here. But you heard the body. That's where you had the, the, the false starts. That's where you had some of the penalties, the timeouts. That doesn't. That should not happen in your home stadium. Boo on you, Tampa Bay. Boo on you, the Tampa Bay fans. That's your town, man. That's your town. That's your but street. you, you, you know that you, you have, you have roots here as well. Oh, yeah. we knew that. We we started once. Once Bruden ruined that team after the Super Bowl. I remember when I got down there, one hundred and ten thousand waiting for season tickets. Right, right. Super Bowl. That sign was down, and they were giving that stuff away for free because Bruden ruined that franchise. Actually. Actually, your son should be a Buccaneer fan since he was born here. Is it in the go by your birth, your birthplace? That kid didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a choice. He did not have a choice. Technically speaking, that would be true, but he didn't have a choice. Again, you think I was going to listen to him speak about another team. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I when I talk to him, I'll be like, "Look, you, you're you're not abiding by the rules of a fan. I don't care that your father was born in New York. He follows a team from New Jersey. You were born in Tampa. Played <laughs> in New York when I was alive and I was a fan. Uh, the, okay, all right, then then that's acceptable. But Tampa is still here. Born post nineteen eighty five. They don't have, they don't have that same claim. But you even think about it. He he was born blocks away from the stadium. Wait a minute. I mean, he's really got a tie-in. They probably use the same electrical grid, the same water that goes into the stadium. Goes in there. He's got Tampa water. Yeah, he was born in St. Joe's. Yeah, the first person to to uh, to see Rich. Yeah, yeah. He was born. Yeah. So maybe. So, you know, all, all I'm saying is Tampa has has horrible fans. <laughs> they do. They do. They, they, they. Uh-oh, Dana. Oh, throw a shade. Throw a shade. Hey, 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 Dana. Hey, Dana. Throw a shade. Watch it, Dana. Because oh. at the end of the day, if you don't make the playoffs, it's all for naught. And you just have a bad draft pick. Well, actually, you're, you're he's not he's not he's not a Bucks fan. Bills fan. He's not a Bills fan. Who is he to root for? Uh, we'll talk about that on another show. <laughs> well, he he's already talking it now. 
it, it's a whole other story. You know, I, 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 I've, I've been working with Dana. And, and so, yeah, it, the fact that Dana is here on the podcast has shown the progress that he has made over the last two years. Okay, fair enough. So you you, you can't you can't chide him on, on, on the team. That ain't right, Dana. No, that's excellent. That, that means that, that my lessons are working, right? I mean, you can't work it. It's working. So you trying to say Dana can't think for himself? Is that what? You're oh no, no, oh no. He he is doing this all on his own. I don't know. It like this this is, no. Well, there's a little brainwash. Yeah, but there's a little. Very much. I, everybody on my team has got to be <laughs> a sports fan. It, it, I'm loving that Dana's on there. Ah, see, he's, he's showing you some love. <laughs> All right, Stevie D, we, we've gone well past. So uh, as we like to wrap it up, uh, again, to all of, all of our subscribers, all of those who follow us uh, on, in Facebook and uh, on YouTube, you know, we do appreciate it. If you haven't, this is the first time for you watching us. Uh, hopefully we share some stories, made you laugh, made you cry. Uh, but we do ask that you do give us a like, give us a subscribe, tell a friend, tell, tell a family member, uh, and join in. Just like Dana, just like Amber, just like Terry and, and, and many others that, who have joined in. Uh, and, you know, Lamar joined in, and I'm sure Lamar wants to get on. At some point again, because uh, well, that, yeah. that's OW Sports after dark. That's right. right? That is right. <laughs> when all the kids go to bed. That is a hundred percent right. But uh, yeah, so if if you're driving, if you're going on a road trip for the holidays, right, and you want to catch up and you want to listen to some past episodes, if you really want to laugh, we're going to have to point out the episode where we did the sports trivia and, and let you listen to that one. There was no video, but the audio of that one. Oh, Jay. The audio of that one is just classic, right? So uh, at some point. But listen to us on, on your favorite podcast and platform. We're out there, right? Whether it be Apple, whether it be Google, Spotify, no matter who you're looking at, you'll, you'll find official work sports or OW sports. And then if you want to watch the videos, YouTube is the place to be as well as our Facebook page, right? We're, we're there. Everything that we do here that we're streaming live gets put up there so you guys can check us out. Again, give us a like, give us a subscribe, and we really do appreciate that. So, for my co-host, Stevie D, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you soon.